You're listening to Real Conversations with Jake and Trent. Real Conversations is sponsored by Boys Town. Saving children and healing families for over 100 years. Please go to boystown.org to learn how you can help the girls and boys of Boys Town. Also brought to you by Next Generation Storytellers, paving the way for young filmmakers, one film at a time. Now, with me today, of course, is always you know my best friend, Trent Garrett. Trent, how you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. How you doing? What's happening in Austin? Oh, you know, I'm just stones throw away from our uh, our guest Greg here in Dallas. You know, yeah. Well, we we got a great guest today. I'm very excited to have him on. I mean. The Emmy Award-winning actor Greg Vaughn has been a fixture on TV screens for over 20 years. He first got his feet wet on a TV and TV in an episode of the iconic show Baywatch that was, of course, led by the classic Aaron Spelling. Uh, dramas also like the, the 90s, like Malibu Shores and Beverly Hills 90210. He played Dan Gordon in the second season of the hit show Charmed. And his reoccurring role, of course, in the series Queen Sugar on the Oprah Winfrey Network. And in the world of daytime, Greg is a fan favorite from his roles on Young and the Restless to his Emmy-winning role in Days of Our Lives. Now, Greg, and I have one major thing that's in common, Trent, we both played Lucky Spencer, of course, in the iconic General Hospital. Um, Greg is definitely, uh, I might have to say, the uh, second best Lucky that's out there. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. Great to catch up with you and see you and the fam. Yeah, man. It's, it's been a second, dude. I mean, how you been? Man, uh, I'm getting older. That That's the truth. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's been good. Life is good. And my plate runneth over. How's the family? Family's good. Uh, today has been uh, quite the event in itself. You know, it's just like... One, my middle son, he got home from a little ski weekend with his buddies and he, uh, a nine hour car drive. So I forgot to give him the Dramamine before the road trip. And so he was a little road sick. And then, uh, but it didn't stop him from tackling the mountain. And then uh, came home, got just a bug, just did not leave him. And then so one home and then one at the doctor's office this morning. And then the other one's out the door at 645 this morning at football. So it's just kind of like, Ongoing. Now, now, remind me, how many kids do you have? I have three boys. Uh, almost 17. I'll have a senior next year. I'll have a freshman next year. And I'll have a seventh grader next year. Oh, man, you got your hands full. Yeah. my uh, If I had a cow in the backyard, I think we may have spoken about that. I mean, I need uh, a milk-producing dairy cow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the football players that come over here and just uh, – stormpede my 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 pantries and kitchen and house and home yeah well you're in, speaking you, of uh skiing though right because like uh i'm an avid skier and uh you know having the luxury of so many resorts in california i'm yeah. in texas and i'm like oh where's the you know closest ski resort uh, uh it's like 11 hours for me in new mexico and i'm like slim pickings so what uh where did your son drive to they went to New Mexico. They went outside of like Taos and then yeah. beautiful. It looked great. Great skiing. He did a fantastic job. His first time to board growing up, born and raised in California. You think he would have seen uh, the mountains at some sense, but when they're young, they don't think like that. So it was always a task. It was like, it was a, a great place for me to want to go to and get away therapeutically. But for them, it was just like, I think the first time I think they saw snow, I, uh, I took them on a, trip with me to film a movie up in Canada and they saw snow for the first time, you know? So yeah. now they're in it. I took uh, my eldest last year. He and I did a father son trip to Tahoe his first time going. So he loved that. And he asked me a few weeks ago when we're going to go again. So I just uh, finished confirming our trip to Colorado. Nice. So I'm going to take all three boys on a family little boys trip, father and sons and uh, throw them in school and tackle a mountain. Well, it sounds like you don't have a choice other than a boy's trip. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it, it makes it nice and calm, you know, <laughs> simplify. Cook on the grill, keep it easy, go out in the mountains and make it fun, you know. Yeah. The moments, because, you know, our time gets limited. I mean, Jake, how your kids are held now? Well, my son is uh, 15. I've got a daughter who's 10 and a daughter who's 8. And so that's, yeah. it's, they're growing pretty fast. Yeah, I've been reflecting, you know, over the, you know, going into the school year, it was just like, 
man, my time is getting limited. You know, I got less like 700 and something days before my boy goes off to school. So it's kind of like, I got to make moments, got to make those memories. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, man. It's, it's so important. Time is fleeting. It's just one of those things we just can't get back. So anytime you can grab a hold of it and grab a hold yeah. of them, you know, take it, take advantage. So important. So what are, you, I'm, what are your I, thoughts on that? You know, like having a, like, so I, I have an eight year old boy. It's just, oh my God. and so, um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, like I, I can't imagine 10 years forward, um, you know, having someone that you, you know, for the first, for the first year, you're on like suicide watch. Like, okay, okay, okay. Oh yeah. Don't touch that. Don't, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Wait, there's a hundred foot drop. No, right. Uh, you know, so, oh. so like 18 years of protection and shelter and food. Oh, it's 25 water. years, man. 25 minimum. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you're in it. So like, I mean, like what, what are the emotions kind of flowing through you right now, knowing that your, you know, firstborn child will be leaving your control, your orbit, your, your, not, not your orbit, but you know, your, your safe haven that you've established to fortify your family. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, it's solid. I think about it pretty often more so than not. Um, you know, it's seen at your, I mean, being, uh, having a young son, which is incredible years. It's like, you just, just try to grasp onto those times because as difficult as they can be and temperamatic, you know, you just kind of like, man, these are little problems because the bigger problems come later, you know, but right now we're in our best, our best space. I mean, it's really, a house full of boys, you know, I've felt very fortunate, you know, having them pretty much full time, you know, and, and, uh, so my eldest, you know, he's kind of become his own young man, you know, he's a little bit, his composure and like, you know, and remember this as a father, he's, he's one half of you, you know, he is embodying one half of you and one half of your soulmate. And so when it's just, he does things. Those are things that you don't recall. You may have done, but go back and call your mom and laugh about it because that's what I do. You know, it's like, did I do those things? You know, because he's like off on this, but, uh, man, I, I, my teenager years are more fun because we do more like really activity things, more adventures. Cause when they're young, you're really like, keeping your guard protecting them and it's hands on and you're exhausted and you just like, I just want you to have a nice good book to read tonight. Let's go to sleep. Uh, man, get your right color socks on, you know, it's (laughs) like, where's your shoes? You know? (laughs) Yeah. And dad needs, and dad needs a nice good sleep. Yeah. I need a break. Um, but you know, once they get on their own and driving, it's kind of like they get the bigger problems. The more concerns, the more worrisome you know, right now you're at, whew, you're in a bumper car. You're easy. I'm yeah. like, but mine, you know, he'll be 17 in May. Uh, you know, but he's kind of, you know, being the eldest of three, he's kind of like, he has his uh, parental kind of behavior mannerisms of himself. So he, he takes, makes right decisions, good decisions, sometimes a little stupid, but boys are that occasionally. So my youngest is 12 and a daredevil, you know, so he's fearless. So I get that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and now you're in Dallas, like where you grew up, right? Or close to? Yeah. Born and raised. Uh, yeah. Born and raised right here in the heart of Dallas. Uh, it's, it's magnet. It's it just quantified the, the growth here um, tremendously. And my, uh, my mom is here and my brother's here. All my family is here. So had, I had thought, would I ever be back in Texas? I think in my early years, I was like, I think it served its purpose in laying a great foundation for me. And like I said, growing up in the hill country was fun. It was just set my imagination and flourished uh, to go into the direction that we chose to go into. Um, and now being home, I, it's, it's, it, it took some time to reacclimate into this out of my norm going from California. And then I moved to the East coast and then I moved back here. So I got a little both. The boys experience all of the above. So uh, my ex-wife, she's European. And so the boy, my younger two got to live abroad. Uh, my youngest did a year and a half and the young, middle one did a year. So that, it was fun sure. for them. You know, they're all dual citizens. 
Yeah. Where? Where in Europe? Uh, they were in Amsterdam. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, love you know, but I, they were younger, you know, and so they, but they did get to go to Dubai. They went to Africa, Morocco, Marrakesh, Fez, and they went to uh, uh, Italy and uh, they went to Spain. So the culture aspects and the, the, the just, you know, just uh, the, the lifestyle is so different from what they're familiar with. So it was an adjustment more so for my middle son than my youngest, yeah. you know, and they got thrown into all Dutch schools and then it was a little complicated for my middle one. So he went into more of a, a British Academy type of uh, private uh, uh, school so he could speak English, but be with kids from all over. What, 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 was, what was some of the, the main issues you, you found that he was struggling with with that adjustment? Well, the foundation, his mother uh, is blessed to have been able to grow up in Europe but speak five languages, but as when they were newborns, never communicated in the Dutch language. So when they went to Europe, even though that was always in the foreshadow or in the forefront, I should say, it's just like not speaking to them because she just kind of felt that not there's only 12 million people that speak Dutch. So when there's a hundred plus million that speak Spanish. So let's learn Spanish, but that never happened. You expect, yeah, I think she put more pressure on the educational platform that, that they were privileged to go to. And uh, now my son, he, he's in eighth grade, but he did French and Dutch, but the Dutch was so hard at the school. He started out and they tried to get him down to the same level um, in class wise with my youngest. So he was going from his, you know, these puberty years happening and, going with these little elementary younger kids. So it was a a, a very hard time. He wasn't within his peers per se. So we found something that worked in his best interest because they were actually dropping him almost to grade levels to get in the same level for him and his brother to, to learn from the ground up. So it was kind of like, look, it is not, not easy, but just take your time and breathe. But now he's already, um, for going into high school, he's already out of all his languages. He's done. He didn't even have to take a language in high school. <laughs> he's got all education done. I mean, as far as language bearing as requirements, but he, you know, he's a four, three student, you know, he's academically awesome AP stuff. So I'm, I'm proud of him. That's great, man. I can barely speak English. You and I both. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised he's on a podcast right now. <laughs> That's why I keep you around, Trent, so you can uh, yeah. you, you can uh, make sure that everybody understands what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my son was actually born in Prague. I've spent about three years wow. of my life in Europe. Uh, I was considering international school uh, before moving yeah. to Austin. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it's uh, probably spent about eight months. Just you know, I spent like three weeks in Netherlands, a month in Germany, yeah. a month in Croatia. Just drove all around and one thing about the Netherlands besides just, you know, the, um, the beauty of it, I mean, Amsterdam itself, that's its own country. You know, I I love the bike riding and just like, it's just part of the culture. I just, I just love it. It's, it's so special, but the one takeaway that I just, I still can't get out of my, uh, that's just imprinted on the back of my brain is the color of grass there. Like no wonder that cheese, like those cows. It's I've never seen greener grass, and you I was got, I was stone cold out. sober. Don't let the whole Amsterdam thing. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah, the you grass. kind of went more like a southeastern. You went over to the water, like the windmilly. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It's just like I just wanted to like lay down in it. It's just, yeah, it's just it's like it's, I've never seen that color green. I just because yeah. it's well, still, I'm like, of course I've seen grass. And Don't forget all the rain that they get there in that country. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, it rains 80% of the time, you know, eight months of the year. It's like depressing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> I saw people, a, good day, people, though. a lot of fun. I've had great time and experience being there, but it, you know, I had the fortune to be in Europe for about three years, you know, in my right out of high school. So it uh, was a great op- eye-opening experience, you know, cultural-wise, and just just to go in and, and learn their ways of just uh, traveling around in a, in a bus or a tube, you know, around the country. Yeah. So it's hey, great. So- I mean, there's th- there's something about Europe. It's um, I-, I wouldn't say all European cities, but most. There's 
I probably spent five of my months, uh, f- five months of my life in Italy, and they have this thing there, and it's similar in Portugal and places like that. Um, uh, they always talk about the difference of culture, like American culture and European culture, yeah. and um, they always say, "Well, you know, here, here we, uh, you know, we work to live, and there, you guys live to work." You know, it's like they will just close at one p.m. for no yeah. reason because like. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see my daughter's recital. Close yeah. the shop. They don't. It's yeah. like they're not looking to get rich. They're just yeah. looking to pay for food and some and wine. Live their best and live their best life. Yeah, for sure. They 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 prioritize things a bit differently. You know. Uh, yeah. I I you you definitely for people from uh, that have not had not experienced that that Spain lifestyle when they hit siesta and everything shuts down. It's like, wait, I'm still going strong. I just woke up because I partied all night long. And- <laughs> yeah. that, you know, that's that's when I go knocking on their door. I've done it. I've, I've been in Spain a couple of times in Alicante. And I yeah. was uh, I was like, I wasn't acclimated to that. And I was like, man, I could really use an Amstel light right now. And oh, for whatever reason, like I knock on the, the door and they're like, you know, we're closed. But, you know, you can come through the back. And I'm yeah. like, do you have any oh, do you got any food? And so they were like, they were cutting up some cured ham and some oh, cheese. Wait, wait, wait. It was wait, great. Wait, Jacob, can we have a sidebar conversation about Amstel Light for a second? Because I know, I, I, but, I, but the, like, the reason why I said that is because I'd never tasted Amstel Light like that in my school. life in Spain. And it was always on draft everywhere you went for some reason, even though it's not like Spanish. I, I don't right. think it's Spanish. It's not Spanish beer. Oh. But but it but they always had it on draft everywhere I went and I was like man that is the coldest best tasting beer I'd ever had. Uh, yeah. you, you, I can understand why you were living in a good place. <laughs> yeah, well, sp- speaking but- of living in a good place and speaking of being maybe a little bit depressed, like Los Angeles, it seems like so many of my friends over the years that I've known have made the great exodus and and gotten out of Los Angeles. What what does what drove that for you to get out of L.A.? You know, it was something that I really kind of was kind of praying for a bit, you know, it just kind of like, I felt like being a new father and looking at my, you know, more my bang for buck, but how much I, in that realm of like, man, I feel like I was just working foot to mouth for a lot of ways, you know, and the, and the real estate market was so crazy. And it was just, people have no idea how expensive it is unless you live in it. And then doing the kind of work that we have done in our lifetime, it's just kind of like, you, you make such a sacrifice and such a commitment and then you, you, you have a comfortable life, but you're always just like, man, I, I need to start investing my money, seeing greater things returned, you know, because you're looking ahead and I'm, I'm trying to, some people say, you got to think 10 years. I'm like thinking, God, next year. I'm like, I, I got a plan. Like in two years, I mean, my kid's going to drive soon, you know, or something like that, you know? So because of my, my, my life journey, you know, it, it took me to the East coast and I, and I, and I did, and I, and I was so fortunate to have cultivated some time there and put some, my feet down on the ground and, and really uh, navigated my way through the East coast. And, and I say the East coast, I was in the Carolinas and stuff like that. And so really loved it. It really was connecting with me and my, my just, where I, I was familiar with and the outdoor lifestyle on the boats and fishing or, you know, the people were much different. It wasn't a cold, a palm tree cul-de-sac mentality of California as I always like to think of it as, um, you know, cause outside of work, you know, it was hard. You were always at preschool or activities, you know, you're, you're, we are people who need to congregate and be together and have good conversation. But everybody was so, consumed with work and and life and you know it's hard to play since being here man when it's halloween it's like a part it's like universal studios in my community it's just like everybody's out with their family kids are out playing bicycle riding around at the school at the park i mean that was familiar to me and i did not have we'd have to go to van Nuys park or we'd have to go up and, you know, wherever the kids played football, you know, it's just like got to go to the public pool, you know, because nobody had a pool in California. You I mean, know, I mean, I mean, and can we talk about for a second, like 
how anti-kid friendly LA is, especially like in, in Europe. Yeah. Like every square has a playground. Every restaurant has some toys in the back. It's yeah. Like, it's like, it's just, I mean, you got to pay for everything to go in a jump house. You know, it's like, crazy. if you were a skateboarder, yeah. you had empty pools to go find. Yeah. It was great, you know, but yeah. the neighborhood on the flats were, you know, you're just cars going everywhere. You're worried about your kid being hit or like kidnapped, you know, whatever. And right. It's like when the, those those birds started coming out, you know, my kid was in a seventh grader, my eldest, and he's like, Dad, and then my credit card started running up on charges because he was on a bird <laughs> zipping around. And he's like, oh, I thought, it, you know, if I just kept rebooting it, I just kept $120 later. It's like, where have you been? Yeah, that, that, that bird flew to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm like, you have no idea. You just paid for dinner. Yeah. Um, you know, but that... That's kind of like I was really looking to it. And then uh, my mom had taken ill during the COVID time. And then, um, you know, I felt God kind of kind of intervened and took over my path and it brought me back home. And I'm really I'm very fortunate and it's worked out to the best interest. And I see my kids have flourished beyond my imagination. Um, And it's been able to work for me to get to and from work you know, in a balance, you know, and, you know, as well, I mean, having other uh, castmates or co-stars that who lived out of state and made it work. And I'm just like, is it possible? Can I really make this work? How can I do it? But having three, I can't, they're not something I can throw in my bag and travel with me. It's like, I got to let you go, but it's actually helped my boys become more independent and young men. Yeah. You know, and I think you made the right decision. I mean, I I can relate because I did the same thing. And when I became a family man, it just wasn't a place to be raising your children. I I, I just didn't feel the vibe. And it was it was really killing my soul just to be in Los Angeles and, and, and not have all those those wonderful things that I grew up with in the middle of the country and, you know, get out and ride your bike or go play in the woods or like, yeah, whatever. So speaking of moving your kids and, and, and making this decision, which is a major life decision, um, and, you know, I mean, like everybody in our lives, we all go through, you know, things that are challenging. You were mentioning your mother, and we're sorry to hear about your mother taking yeah. ill during COVID. But I know you've also gone through some challenges with, um, like, marriage and things like that. And, and yeah. is, there, is there some advice you would, like, give yourself if you could reflect on that or give somebody else about, like, you know, What's that path like and how do you navigate those waters? Mm, That's difficult. Uh, Relationships are not easy, you know, at times, you know, especially when you're, you're young and you're going through, but when you get to a certain age in your life and you feel like you've uh, really kind of connected with some, you're an individual um, and your life seems to cohabitate, you know, and, there could be many factors. Obviously you could have, we always refer to the baggage, Um, you know, in my particular instance, you know, my ex-wife and I, she was younger. I was established, you know, and a lot of factors that played into that, you know, uh, we, uh, we, we had a child pretty quickly. We didn't really have a lot of time to really come together. And, you know, I felt like spiritually that that was kind of like our, our path, you know, and it just kind of, we jumped, head first in and, and kind of went with it and just make the best, you know, and just like we create what we ever, what our life has and, and what you think it's going to go and where it goes are two different things. So I would, you know, communication is always the key trust, loyalty, being a rock for somebody, your partner, um, you know, uh, being open-minded easier said than done. You know, I am by no means is anyone perfect. And um, we both, kind of, I found that our life became really heavy and a very light, the world was going through a lot of change economically, uh, you know, with real estate and finances. And then when the boom kind of happened, it it hit us. Um, We lost her mother and I lost my grandfather, who was my mentor. Um, There was a lot. And then having young kids and no support, and trying to, you know, the California life, is, I felt like I never heard of having assisted help, you know, with a nanny or a caregiver uh, because my kids were too young to kind of go to preschool at the time. And so I think California always kind of has uh, that little, you know, 
the money sign on the ATM on your head, mm-hmm. you know, and they, just, they take advantage of a lot of people uh, that, that put themselves in that work opportunity to help you. Um, they take, I had nine nannies. So mm. I went through a lot. There was a lot of difference uh, fundamentally, but psychological differences of how to raise a kid. And when you see your kid, not where he's supposed to be or why she's not where he's, she should be with our children in a way that made you feel safe as a parent by putting your trust in that person. Right. So there's a lot of factors with just not marriage, but family and you got to grow together and communicate and be on the same spiritual path line, I think. Um, and giving each other individuality, I think, uh, respecting one another and like, you know, I think we live in a different day and age than we were 25 years ago, obviously. Um, but I think, I think both man and woman, it's not just, here's your identity. This is what I expect you to be, or you should be. We're living in the 21st century where it's kind of like, I want you to be your best version of yourself that you want to be. And how can I support you as much as I want to be the best version I can for myself and you support me. And when times get tough that you can lean on one another. And, and unfortunate at that time, we, we, uh, we didn't have that. Yeah. Well, that great, yeah. great insight, first of all, and great words of wisdom. I'm still trying to figure out how to get my wife to mow the lawn. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, that's funny because I think, you know, I can't even get my, my teenage boys to mow the yard. So, <laughs> you know, when you figure out your direction with your wife, you let me know how that works out. <laughs> I mean, I've heard different people, oh, I don't want my kids to mow because somebody almost got their feet chopped off or something. I, I mean, it's got to be fun. You know, I mean, anything, it's not just work. It's, you know, chores. I mean, it's like, I feel I wear a dozen hats and they're, I'm like, how do you all survive without me here? Yeah. I mean, what do you do? You know how to use an ATM card, you know, plastic. And I didn't grow up in that way. You know, I'm a, I came from, you know, very less than blue collar middle-class family. In my opinion, you know, I, I, my mom, I was a single parent raised by my mom, you know, and she did an incredible job that supported me in my life, you know, to get me where I goes. But we laugh about it because we lived in a 700 square foot house, you know, on Crockett street, you know, mm. this little bitty small little house in a very small little town in South Texas, you know, and then we lived in a trailer home and, you know, I didn't have the best shoes, you know, I, I, I had to convince my mom. I had these first little, I, it was before Cape is it? I think I got Pumas and it, they were like $40. And my mom was like, Whoa, that, that's a lot. And I'm like, I, I made my own money. I need to have those shoes. Cause I'm right. cool. You hey, know? you know, I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. And just speaking back before I go into a little bit about that, cause you and I have so much in common as far as like growing up in that way and humble beginnings yeah. And I think it really has a lot to do with, you know, how successful that you became. And not only as a, an actor and in the entertainment business, but as a father. Um, but, but yeah, so it's like kids today. <laughs> I mean, my son, it's, if I, it's, I might pull in my hair out just to try to get him to take the garbage out. I mean, yeah. like I had a list of chores to take care of before I could even do my homework before I got home. I can't even yeah. get him to do his homework. I'm like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, they definitely are, are marching to their own beat. And obviously, hey, look, every decade's slightly different. And, and I guess we just have yeah. to adjust and, and do the best we can as parents. But um, I want to say, you know, speaking to that, that those, you know, the, the Puma story and also talking about, you know, you, you know, your mom doing the very best. I know for a fact that that's the reason that you are, you are as successful as you are and you've been able to be a successful parent. Um, I did this, I had the same thing. It was like, if I needed anything, I had to work for it. And I remember one time I asked my dad to buy me a pair of sneakers and I wanted those damn Reebok pumps so much. And I ended up getting the LA gear. I mean, it was like, he's like, that's what you're going to wear the LA gears. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I had to have those inflatable sneakers, but I was like, everybody, you know, it was, uh, but I, I grew up the same way. It was, uh, you know, welfare, check to check. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom was raising all four of us as, you know, kids. I was the youngest of four. We lived in trailer parks. We lived in fifth wheel trailers. Heck, we lived in the back of a camper shell at one point at a, a campground. 
And I knew that like, I was like, they did the best they could, but I knew that I was, I was going to do, uh, if I had the opportunity to do everything I possibly could to make my dreams come true. And I'd say that that's yeah. probably very similar to your story. For sure. I completely relate with that. I was at pay less. That's where most of my shoes came Why from. Why pay more? Yeah. Go to pay less. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it now because, you know, especially having boys and the amount of shoes that I've purchased, I have bins. I, to this day, because I've been waiting for boys to grow into them, I have bins of shoes I think were maybe worn once or never worn. Um, I, and I, I keep forgetting that they're there because they're, you know, in the garage. But it's like they want the now and the new, the Jordans, you know. I've right. got to have these really cool vintage. And I'm like, that's $190. <laughs> and you had it in mind. Your feet are still growing. I mean, the doctor just told you, you just grew two inches in the last six months. Yeah. You know, I mean, bro, your feet are getting. <laughs> That's what I, when my son, because he always wants the Jordans and like, they're always like, they're so expensive, the vintage ones. Yeah. I'm like, how do you feel about the used pair? <laughs> and there's and these portals that they, I get emails, you know, for sand stuff you know, played against sports. We used to go into all the time, you know, trade our gear in. I'm like, we can do the same thing for shoes. And he's like, I don't want to wear anybody else's shoes. And I'm like, I get it. I understand. I fold. Um, so I just pick and choose my battles with my kids and find the right way of in the middle, you know, but they got their chores. They, ask, they do their laundry. But it's like you said, when it comes to trash, it's like when I come home and it's like, you guys see the recycle bin is full. It's like to the cap. Nobody yeah. decided to take it out for me. You know, I mean, I woke up this morning. My son, he was on at 635 and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I got football. And I'm like, this morning? He's like, yeah, we got to throw today. And I was like, well, hey, you got your alarm. You went to bed early. You're doing your work. Get it in. Yeah. So that's, that's where I really kind of, I'm... I am and not where we were I'm for I see the growth in their just their ability to take the bull by the horn and be accountable for their actions and doing their work and showing up and being a teammate being an example you know and so I I feel that that's been the greatest part of my my journey my success yeah well you're definitely doing a great job and you're definitely in the right state for football I am indeed, you know, we feel very fortunate, very fortunate because uh, my, my, my kids, they went with their mom to Europe and then uh, before the two stayed behind, but my eldest is like, he was in that summer before going into high school and we kind of all talked and it was best that he get here really quickly. And so he came in and had to sit back and wait his turn, you know, and climb that ladder and man up and, he has paid his dues, and now Mr. Quarterback himself going into his senior year, so playing at the the big star with a Cowboys practice facility. Oh, that's cool! Running like eight thousand people. It's it's like the pressure's on, but he is just so wonderful in his composure, and uh, I'm really proud of him. You know, all of them. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: I mean, what do they think about your success? Yeah. It's non-existent. <laughs> you know. You know, if we don't talk about it, it's not even a, it doesn't, not even on the radar. I mean, they know what I do. It's been just their life. Other people, their friends, I think are more interested about, Hey, I want to go to Hollywood. I want to be an actor. Hook me up. Get me on, give me a cameo. You know, they always try to like, I'm pretty good looking kind of thing. And I'm like, it's a lot of work. Son. You just finish school. Focus on that. You got girl trouble. Go to there, you know, yeah. keep your eye on the place, you know? Go to college and then you can talk to me. All right. But um, they don't really like, they know it's there, but I don't, you know, we, you got to say that word loosely. You know, I, when you say success, I translate that. I kind of like take that. And I don't even look at myself as successful. I think I achieved my dream and being a goal setter and a dreamer. I just like, that was my ambition. Um, and then my success comes from when I break bread on the table with my family. When I look down and I see my kids and they're, you know, it's less singular, more them. That is so the, uh, the definition of I, my success now. 
Right. That, it's funny how that, that dream changes. It so does. Priorities change. Obligations change. Um, it's more than a job to me. And I, I don't take it for granted. I, 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 I'm very grateful to have uh, endured the journey and uh, achieved the, uh, the, the accomplishments that I have. I, I feel very fortunate. I'm just, I just, I like to stay grounded and be who I am and where I'm from. And I'm really proud to be from Texas, but I'm glad to be home around people that I really like. I, when I came home, I had 50 of my closest friend in a phone call. Mm. Like, it's funny because you go to LA, it's like, man, I got five good friends here. You know, right. everybody else's acquaintances. They're just, they're just there. Yeah. Here, I mean, we, we broke bread and I was like, man, I'm so for, I've missed out on all this over these years and you guys are still all together. I mean, not to redirect, but it's like, a guy I met my sophomore year in high school and I'm godfather to his two sons lives right down my street. Isn't that incredible? And it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's just, you know, I'm very, I, I just like, I just, uh, I love it. I live it. I, I feel like I, I'm living my best self. Yeah. Well, I, again, I, I said it before you made the great decision and, and I found that same thing. As soon as I, I got out of LA yeah. And actually, what I, I didn't realize inadvertently was I needed something that was bigger than the dream. Yeah. It was bigger than, you know, the, the showing up and being on set and working consistently. I needed yeah. to see something. I needed to see mountains. I needed to see something that was bigger than I could ever imagine because I never yeah. took the time. You, you just don't. You're always in a you know damn hurry in Los Angeles or New yeah, York, and, sure. and you you know you're getting on with your career, and you just don't have that. And I realized I had a whole another set of dreams once I yeah. found myself in Utah uh, initially, and I yeah. just I just fell in love with the idea of just having a normal life and not thinking so much about you know the the career path because I felt like at that point everything yeah. else is going to fall in line. It's got to. Yeah. You know, because yeah. if, if you are doing something that's truly in your heart, it will all fall, follow path. And I want to talk a little bit about Hollywood because we're speaking on this. But tell yeah. us a little bit how it's changed since you first got into the business and where it is today. Man, it's hard. It's real hard. I think we've over a lot of things and uh, a lot of hurdles, and I don't think it's resolved yet. Um it was a different vibe. It's definitely changed. I think when I first went back, you did back to LA, I think, you know, um, post COVID, you know, when it was the hot spot of COVID, you know, uh, it, it felt like a ghost town. It felt desolate. You know, I just saw everything up for lease. Every, the streets were empty. Um, the energy was different everybody was it was just still in an isolation mode if you will um and it never regained that in some sense it's still not there i've been fortunate to it's slowly kind of gradually kind of picked up momentum people are kind of stepping out of that that's that their box you know which is their safety net um it's got to be challenging for young um dreamers you know for individuals that are striving for their, their, their goals, you know, and to become excellent in whatever they want to be as a musician, as an actor. Um, it, but with all the strikes that we've endured, you know, and everything's shutting down, I know it's people are doing things or having to do more now getting other jobs, but when there's no other jobs to get because nothing is operating, it's just financially people are, are strapped. You're seeing the amount of homelessness that you see that is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. uh, but to see that come in different cities, um, I've seen it in San Francisco, all the transients, there was like 4,000 people in the financial district, which was unheard of um, downtown LA. I was so saddened to drive from, you know, down through uh, Chinatown, going down to, you know, Koreatown, going downtown, um, 
for a celebration and I went just the streets to go ex- see outside because a traffic on the 101 was backed up but oh that, that doesn't that's I mean it's, I mean it's never backed up it's never backed up on the 101 yeah it's like a parking lot but the <laughs> amount of homelessness the trash when I say it I'm not exaggerating but I swear they had the lake you know the pond out there with the big fountain it was fenced up hmm. with a 10 footer to keep homelessness out of getting in and polluting the water or trashing the water, the right. park. But the amount of trash was easily up four feet high. Yeah. I mean, the streets were full, like the city just stopped. Yeah. Um, Austin, it's taken over a whole new tent city, if you will. Uh, North Carolina had a massive problem in Charlotte, you know, that was unheard of. I just, there's a lot of uh, mental health issues and a lot of homelessness and a lot of just, I don't understand it. Yeah. I was just going to ask, I mean, cause I mean, what do you think the solution is? Man, that's a million dollar. That's a billion dollar, trillion dollar question. <laughs> the solution is, you know, I, I think you and I both came from the, that foundation of we come from humble upbringings and it just made us appreciate when we were able to go buy the $40 shoes on our own. If we could even afford that was expensive Mm. um, to get out there and have a work ethic. And I think in this millennial age and there's a uh, kind of a somehow kind of like entitlement or a lack of work uh, of wanting to work because there's so many handouts and give me this and support me this. And Hey, I have a detached garage we'll give you some money to ha- put some stranger homeless person in the back of your house. I'm not about that. When I sp- have children, you know, sure. I'm then you have pedophiles at homelessness to have drug addictions or mental health addiction addictions. I, I mean, there's gotta be a, a de- there's, I mean, a variety of uh, mental health care self, you know, just, uh, I, I mean, look, I've been to therapy, you know, for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big advocate of it. I think it's there for you to, and I have some of my closest friends in therapy. I see a lot of teenagers now um, that are having depression issues or uh, kind of a a desire to explore a world that I ran away from, um, you know, uh, of drugs and a, experimental things and i see teenagers that anxiety or drug addicts yeah and it's sad to me it, it is it, like, it is sad um and and thank you for being so candid because you know i feel the same way you know about the homelessness the whole that whole projection of of what is happening in this country but also um realizing that you know there is help that's out there and that these people yeah. can be you know, uh, reaching out to resources. And if it is a mental health issue, you know, there are resources for that as well. Um, I'm so glad that you were candid about that in therapy. I've gone to therapy my whole life as well, off and on. Um, I found myself now in my 40s, you know, I'm taking a beta blocker to help the anxiety because I never was able to fully cope with that when I was younger. And and it's okay. I think it's okay for everybody out there to go, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect. I've got issues like everybody else. And I need to, I, sometimes I need a helping hand. And if that comes in the form of therapy or it comes in the way of finding the right medication that works for you, or just a support group, it's, it's, it's everything. I agree a thousand percent. You know, you can read a lot of self help and stuff, and then you can try to find your core friends, the uh, kind of a foundation to communicate. And I think we lost a lot of that. And I regret, cause I, I saw, you know, so many other families, unbeknownst to me, were losing members of their family in there. They couldn't even have a burial service. And then I was like, man, my friend, you know, he's taken his life and I've lost my friend. Why, why didn't I know this or recognize it out to him or why didn't I check in with him more? And I started trying to implement that more in my day-to-day life. Checking on my boys. I'm like, bro, I love you, man. I'm, I'm, I know I'm not there. I know our times are different. I'm on the East coast now, but I miss you, man. I love you. I'm thinking about you, even a general text. Um, <laughs> I'm very about that. And excuse me. I mean, I, I'm very open. I'm a, my grandfather was a big emotional bear and hugger, you know, and I just, I feel like kind of, that's just who I am. And I want to be that and nothing's going to change that. I don't care 
what you feel or what you think or what your sexual preference is. If I, you know me and I know you or I, you're a stranger and you need help, I'm going to be here for you. Sure. I'm like, life is short and uh, we can all be there for one another. So <laughs> I just, uh, I hope that people aren't afraid and some people kind of already reach out or open their mouth to identify something, you know, because they don't want to be judged. And yeah. uh, I, I just want their anybody listening to know that there's people who do love you. And if you got anything you need to talk about or get that off your shoulder or how do you handle it? Go to your, your closest person. Cause you know, they're going to listen there and they're going to love you. Yeah. No they're they're going to, they're not going to judge you. And you put that fear aside. If it's somebody that loves you and they love them, they're going to be there. And, and just, you know, just know that, um, you know, we've lost several daytime guys this last year. Um, yeah. Billy Miller, Right. Um, Alec Musser, who I worked with on all my children, yeah, both to suicide. And, you know, and these are guys that like, you know, Billy won how many Emmys and owned how many restaurants and, you know, mental health, your mental health has to be taken care of. And you can't be afraid to, to, to balance that somehow and find that way and be open about it. And I mean, these are people that I would never expect in a million years to, to, to take their own lives or, you know, and somebody who's, who was in my, my stepmother, when I was in high school, she took her life and, Mm. and, you know, I could never understand it. I was like, it was the most selfish thing that you could ever do to family, but also not understanding at that time in my life that she was reeling from whatever mental illness that she was. Um, but yeah, it's so important. I think more for so, uh, more so for men these days too, just to, you know, get those feelings out, go meet with a group of guys, like your boys you're talking about, check in with them, yeah. you know, talk about anything, but you know, like, you know, all the workload and the stress that's going on or whatever, just get out there, breathe a little bit and, and encourage each other because this life doesn't seem to be getting any easier. And just like we're talking about, you know, just with the homelessness and the financial crisis and, and how Hollywood's changed and, and, and what that look like. And I'm not even talking about physical Hollywood. I'm talking about, you know, we were talking a little bit about the dream of, you know, making that dream come true. I mean, these kids that are trying out auditioning, they're not even getting in-person auditions anymore. They have to throw themselves on actors access and hope that maybe they get an echo cast that comes back where they yeah. can actually do a zoom meeting with somebody. Um, it's yeah. just, it's just a really, really strange time it was so much different. I talk about to these young kids. I go, yeah, back when I was, uh, you know, first auditioning, I, I, you know, I showed up with a Manila envelope, a pager, and, and a Thomas guide. <laughs> that's how I. That's how I got around town. And they're like, "What's a Thomas guide?" I'm like, "Do you know what a phone book is?" <laughs> I used yeah. one of those too. <laughs> oh my god, that's great! I love it. Yeah, you are right on it, man. I mean, we both share that same that journey. And so, I mean, I like I said earlier, I'm grateful for where I am and not where I was. And, uh, you know, in a lot of different elements, um, you know, I just hope that we come back. I know it will, but, you know, you got to be have tough skin to live in L.A., that's for sure. You know, you got to really be passionate and, and committed and focused. And it is is, I mean, we both probably had our lows of lows of time. I mean, I, I had less than a hundred dollars in my bank account was at my lowest time. And I was questioning whether I should stay in the game or get out, you know, when I was still living in a 700 square foot apartment and, uh, I think that I could figure it out, you know, when I really sat and thought about it and, and then I got a residual check, you know, and it kind of paid me to open up the door one more time. And then that next audition, I said, I'm going to get this job. Yeah. And I did. And speaking yeah, about jobs, was, you've been you've been on Days of Our Lives as of recent, right? Are yes. you back? So how's yeah. that? How's that all going? Man, we have been man more people than realized, more people than know that you know because in a public platform, there's only so much shared, and we we have so much content right now. We're shooting year sixty. We're like seven months ahead. Wow, it's unbelievable to the amount of speed, what the expectation is that I think when we move from major television into streaming world, that their goal is we, if we stopped at the end of 24, we will have a full year in the can, a full year without shooting. That's crazy. 
I mean, if we stopped at 24, the whole year of 25 is available. That's I mean, doing one thing. Let's just put that into perspective, uh, you know, for people that are out there, because I'm getting ready to direct a film in Prague and I'm talking with these these uh, Czech Republican crew members and they're like, you know, eight, nine pages. That's you know, that's that's quite a bit. I'm like, you don't know what quite a bit is, man, because uh, you need to talk to some of my friends that have been on in daytime and, of course, days of our lives. I mean, how many scenes typically is being shot? Um, we shoot, uh, I mean, give or take, we can do about 110 items that the scenes a, a day, uh, that's front and back, you know, I mean, and, and, and there's some shorter, there'll be 65 some days. It depends on how much we get through. Uh, I mean, we still, there is still a little bit more higher activity of COVID kind of bouncing back in these latter months. So, um, you know, and to uh, whose availability. So it's kind of been, uh, got all hands on deck kind of, uh, work ethic, um, but we shoot three episodes, sometimes five, but we kind of stay in that three zone. Mm. Uh, I average about 30 to 40 pages a day when I'm there. And that's not inflated. That's, that's fact. Right. Uh, you know, I've been in, you know, the front burner storyline for since the, at least the last year, you know, and it's, you know, then we've, unfortunately experienced a lot of different hurdles that have caused uh, shutdown, you know, production wise, you know, with uh, a lot of lawsuits, legalities and stuff like that. Right. And then that's affected me, you know, more personally than the show or the show has fixed them. But um, you know, it's kind of like last summer I was home for eight weeks unrequested time off, mm. you know, that was that. Great for me to be home with my kids and run my house. Definitely didn't take it for granted. I, I really immersed myself in it. And uh, But it's hard once you, you're into a story and then you got to take yourself out of it and then jump right back in like you never left, like you were just there last week. Um, and now I've been, you know, given another month off, you know, unrequested. So it's hard for me, you know, you know, trying to juggle living out of state, you know, and traveling back and forth at the last minute on a whim. Um, but yeah, we, you know, daytime you're, you got, for example, getting back to the speed, you know, that the machine that we operate that, you know, so well, uh, daytime is so underrated. Um, and, and, and the, the, the amount of dialogue and, and cause you're, you're playing, you're telling a story and it's like, Linda told Sue that Sue was sleep, you know, it's all these different <laughs> people that cross, co, you know, cross pollinate, you know, and you got to name everybody and then your writer wants you to make sure you mention so-and-so and who's her parent, who's that parent, but it's a, it's a juggling. And once you get that machine, that muscle going, you, you got it and you go with it. You know, it's definitely much easier for me than it used to be. I put too much pressure. I'm sure your time at GH on, in my time at GH, I felt stress mm. because it was such a, I can my game has got to be here, yeah. you know, and now I feel my game is there and I just can do it. Yeah. No, it really is. It, it's an, a, incredibly stressful. I mean, when I first, and you know, honestly, <laughs> it doesn't matter if I've had 20 years, 30 years doing this. Uh, every scene, the very first scene, the very first time you go to open your mouth, I still get nervous and I have to settle myself. <laughs> Wow, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 2,000 plus episodes, whatever I've done in my career, it's, I still feel that way. Because, you know, you put that mental stress on yourself. And yeah. obviously, you, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to uh, com not compete, but play at a level that is so high. Um, you know, we talk about professional actors. It's very similar to any other professional sport because the demand yeah. on you is just as intense, yeah. whether or not you're not running the football back and down and back and forth, but you're, you're definitely doing the, you know, sort of the tennis ball back and forth and you, you, yeah, yeah. you're competing constantly with that person that's in there. And that amount I mean, of dialogue is put yeah. on yourself and then what they expect you to deliver. Yeah. But you're, you know, you're already, you know, when you're a very well achieved actor, you know, and you come in, you set the bar, the tone, and so they look at you and expecting you to kind of, this is going to be fun or when they don't know what's going on in you. Right. Right. 
whatever it is, offset personal life. But then when you come in there, it's like, how do you, you piece it together? But we're still kids in a candy store, man. I'm excited. And I, I thrive now. I find the fun. And I, I, I like to eyeball everybody, you know, when we get in there, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of goofing around. I'm sure. What was your experience like when, you know, working with people, especially now versus then or then versus now? I mean, if you had your those that were very focused or very like loosey goosey. Yeah. Well, I mean, my you know, I always even though I, I put a, a, a great deal of pressure on myself, um, I used to like I like to play. I like to have fun. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of times, you know, there'd be somebody from the booth like, Jacob, you need to pull it together, settle down, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we're in each other's lives every single day, Monday through Friday. We're doing massive amounts of work, massive amounts of scenes. And yeah, there's days where, you, you know, just like anything, you know, if you were just doing like a film or like say you're just doing a one-off episode on a, a reoccurring series, you know, you're yeah. mentally preparing yourself. But when you have yeah. every single day, uh, I got two shows, three shows, I got to learn, whatever, yeah. your real life, you know, it's hard to keep it out of that. And so yeah. you find yourself leaning on your cast members, you know, quite often. And whenever I'd see somebody like get so like inside their head because they're going through whatever it is outside of the set, that's when I became like the jester. Like I just mm-hmm. wanted to please. And, right, right, and I loved right. and I love making people laugh. And they're like, you're crazy. And then it'd be like, and five, four, three. And I'm like, (laughs) right back at it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Focus. Yeah. Yeah. I know that feeling. It's fun. I I definitely, I had more pressure on myself because I had that bar, that expectation that I put on myself, but I I just, my peers and how they would judge me or view me, you know, I had some embarrassing moments for myself because I could get so mad at myself because the amount of dialogue and I had prepared so much that it would win. Right. It would be. Yeah. And I, then you, what you guard the most is your emotional guard would, <clears throat> you get mad at yourself and you beat yourself up. And then later your castmate would just say, Hey man, be kind to yourself. Yeah. Well, and then it starts to spiral from there because if you yeah. get, if you get locked into that motion, which I'm totally guilty of doing so many times in my career, getting pissed off, you know, throwing, you know, not throwing anything, but like, you know, throwing yourself into like a, that spiral. And, and then it's really hard to get yourself out of it. No, it doesn't matter how much you've prepared. Um, But yeah, man, that's, uh, you know, that's something that a lot of people don't ever talk about, but if you could give yourself some advice, let's say you could go back in time and you could see yourself that, that, that kid with humble upbringing that you had, what advice would you tell yourself right now at the age you are? Well, I would say, you know, it's, I mean, I would be much kinder to myself. I would be much more forgiving um, and smell the roses kind of mentality of just like, man, look at your environment, see your surrounding. You're leaning on them as much as they're leaning on you. Um, slow down. Don't run the race to finish. Run the race and enjoy it, you know, and, you know, make these moments and just immerse yourself in it, you know, and having cultivated these great relationships, you just like, you just stay, be present and don't try to, you know, don't work too hard, you know. I think less is more and be raw. And as a, as an actor, you know, for sure. you know, and, uh, and really find yourself in the moment and let it just, just organically evolve. Um, life. I just keep living your best. You know, I, I mean, it's like waking up every day, count your blessings, you know, be grateful for where you are in life. Um, and how to make it, you know, keep doing your best. You know, we don't have the perfect plan. There is no book to make it right. It's just kind of like, go give somebody a hug when you wake up in the morning. Um, I think love is kind of like the most understated start of your day is like, check on your people, check on your, check your family, you know, be there open, you know. Right. 
I just simple. I'm just so I, I I'm not so wound up. You know, I, I think I was like younger. The younger me was just so like, what do I got to do today? Now, man, I'm just so OCD, you know, because my kids are so dirty and the dogs are just going every, <laughs> just like, I've just got to wind down and just take a chill pill sometimes. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. You know, it's funny you mentioned love because Boys Town, who's our sponsor, they, um, they have this slogan about teaching love. And they've done studies for years um, with doctors and therapy, and they found that they actually can shrink the damage in a frontal lobe of a child just Mm -hmm. by giving them affirmation, just by giving them three kind words a day. Yes. Showing up. You know what? There's one thing that is no. And there's some days that I can't make every, but I will stream any game kids if I'm not there, but if I'm home, you know where to find me. I will be front and center on the field, on the court. Cause it's like, it's, it's, you can say it, you can, you can't material doesn't replace you being present. And when you're not, they're kind, they're forgiving, but man, when you just let somebody just know your fit, that physical knowing my dad's got his eye on me. And he gives you that thumbs up, man. That look in their eye, twinkle. Yeah, man. That's 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 the return. And it's like, whew, I see my kid's success. I I'm I I thrive in that. Yeah. So I me, mean, I'm like on my work. I'm living for you guys. I you know what? I I'm just as long as I keep having access to create and find that vessel that fills my, that desire, that passion that I love, then I'm going to be my best self because I'm kinder to myself because I have them, you know, in my life. Yeah. That beautiful, man. I love it, man. You know, and one other thing, Boys Town, and I always, I always close out the podcast with, with this because their motto is he ain't heavy. He's my brother. And that started with Father Flanagan back at the turn of the century when he was integrating children of any race, color, and creed, boys that were going through the Great Depression. And, and uh, some were dropped off. Some had uh, disabilities. They couldn't walk. But he, even if he didn't have money to get them, some of the boys would take turns carrying children to mm. class, to sporting events. Um, and one child in particular, which is actually, you can see that the, that on their uh, brand. And if you go to Boys Town in Nebraska, uh, you can see the statues and multiple statues of that exact thing of another child carrying another child with braces on his legs. So Father Flanagan one day reached out to the, one of the students that was carrying him and said, isn't he heavy? He says, he's not heavy, Father. He's my brother. And so basically... We've all had somebody carry us in our yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's, um, who's carried I, you, bro? Who's carried me? Yeah. Mm, nobody. I mean, I mean, my mom, she carried me until I left, you know, but in life, uh, I've only had me to count on. You know, my, my grandfather was my mentor, you know, in communication about financial direction and structure you know he was always a wall street journal guy but i've never i haven't been fortunate to i've had good friends that i surround myself with, and i think you know you you find your 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 birds of a feather that flock together kind of mentality the people you you know you find your people um and i if i've had an incredible amount of resources with people um that I know I can call on any given moment. And sometimes, you know, they can be there, obviously, you know, life is tough uh, or, you know, can have its moments, but I think by choice, I've always kind of been in my own lane and, you know, and, you know, I don't put myself out there unless I really need some guidance. Right. Um, I don't know what that, there could be many ways of interpreting the physicality, the physicality of, carrying each other, but man, that is a touching statement. And I'm going to put that down in my notes. Like yeah. brother, man, that's deep, dude. Yeah. I love that. 
Yeah, no, it, it, no. I mean, look, I mean, I I found over the years, like you know, even in simple situations, like you're saying, friends or yeah. a parent or uh, you know, we I, we we all find some way of finding support when we need it. And and you mentioned it multiple times in the interview, and um, and yeah, you, but you had to rely on yourself, and you know sometimes. You know, some of the the greatest success stories I've heard in my life are people that have had to carry themselves through most of their life to get to where they're at. And 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 I'm telling you, Greg, you're you're an amazing uh, inspiration to so many people that are out there. I've always looked up to you. I've always thought the world of you. Every time I've ever talked with you, um, you were just just a light to be around. And and that really means a lot. That friendship of yours. And I'm just really grateful to be able to reconnect with you. Ah, likewise, man. And you as well, man, you have set your path. I mean, I've just been able to, from an outside, watch your music and your podcasts and see how you're touching people's lives and the guests that you have in. I mean, it's just like uh, you, I mean, in many ways, I mean, it's like you were the one of the f- ones that jumped out first. You know, when you left L.A., it's like, dude. <laughs> How's he doing this? <laughs> I better get some cliff notes on this moment, you know, uh-huh. but I mean, it's just like you, 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 you prioritize yourself, your family work, your higher power of spirit, you know, and then you just kind of put it together and you just kind of like take time to reconnect and join with it. And, uh, I really, I, uh, I appreciate those words. And I, sometimes we don't say it enough when somebody gives you uh, a compliment or kindness and I, uh, it, it's hard for me to uh, just say thank you enough, but I appreciate you, man. I love you, man. I'm proud of you, and thank you. I love you and too, brother. Doing that, being a being a good man and a good father and a good husband, and uh, your leadership—that's great, man. Keep touching lives. I, I love what you're doing, man. I'm honored to be on your show, and thank you for reaching out to me. Um, you know, and uh, we'll have to get your guitar and get my fishing pole and go out and. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Well, thank you, Greg. I I appreciate it. Man, anytime, man. That's about all the time that we have for this week with the Boys Town toll-free national hotline, 1-800-448-3000. Again, it's 1-800-448-3000. It's a 24-7 crisis resource. It's a referral number for kids and their parents. They're there to help anyone having suicidal thoughts, risking any kind of self-harm, parenting problems, physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, stress, anxiety, anger problems, school problems like bullying and peer pressure, and of course, chemical dependency. If you're suffering with any of these issues, or you just need someone to talk to, someone's there for you 24-7. Just call the Boys Town National Hotline, 1-800-448-3000. You don't feel like talking? You can text. Text VOICE to 20121. They'll get back to you immediately. Boys Town, saving children, healing families. Until next time, love each other and love yourself.